Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the show, episode uh, 133, 134. I'm not even sure. But anyways, uh, Jeff Palmer is here. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, what's up? That also just made me think I'm pretty excited for when you get to 138. 138. You know what? I've been thinking about that. I, I will say that I've been meaning to call a Mr. Phil Hill. Ooh. A little help on that. All right. So, this is getting interesting. Yeah, man. So how you doing, dude? I'm doing great, man. I'm just... Earlier today, uh, we just got our first blizzard up here in New England. I live in New Hampshire. Uh, so I was outside. I fired up the grill. I had a beer, and I threw some wings on the grill in the middle of a blizzard. So it's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, little things in life make me happy. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's crazy because we haven't had snow, and it's actually like 40 degrees here. And it's just like you walk outside and it's like still sweatshirt weather. I know a lot of people think when it's 40 or in the 30s, it's not sweatshirt weather. But um, in Wisconsin, it is. I take that. I mean, I love sweatshirt weather, too. I also get down on jacket weather. Sometimes I'll push it and have an extra jacket on because sometimes I like if I have a cool jacket, then I'm like, hey, this is cool. But then I get torn because I'm like, well, this hoodie's really cool, too. And I'm like, yeah. maybe I'll wear both. And then people are like, Jeff's. Uh, it's like 60 degrees out. You don't need both. And I'm like, but they're really cool, and I'm preparing for winter, man. I like the hoodie and the jacket combination. I've always been a fan of that. Yeah, because I don't. Too. I'm not a zip up the jacket guy. I gotta have that thing open, you know. Dude, totally same here. I never zip up the jacket. I zip up the hoodie underneath it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I never wear my hoodies like unzipped because they. They, they, I, I don't know. What do you say? They like dangle all over the place, the sides and the zippers, and they can. Well, my, I also fucking hate <laughs> when you have the hoodie on, and then it's a great hoodie, right? Like you go to a show, you buy this perfect hoodie, and then you wash it, or your girlfriend washes it, or whoever, or your mom comes over and washes it, whatever your laundry situation is like, and then all of a sudden the string's gone. Oh, I don't know if I've ever had that problem. You Mine always just shrink. Oh, my strings are always gone. And I'm like, I can't wear this hoodie anymore. The string's gone. <laughs> yeah. Mine shrink, dude. So my wife shrinks them. Maybe not on purpose, but probably on purpose. But I've lost my Ramones hoodie. I've lost MTX. I've lost... Uh, I used to have this really great Comet Tavern from Seattle. I bought it there when I was there. And, uh, yep, that's too small now. And uh, I just, I just got to stop washing them, I guess. See... For you, maybe you're lucky and it's the wash. Uh, sadly, I think for me, the issue is the clothes aren't really changing size. I might be because <laughs> I've been so unactive this year <laughs> uh, doing things like just hanging out of my house, drinking beer, grilling in the middle of a snowstorm <laughs> instead of, you know, maybe being active, being on the road or maybe going to the gym. Who knows what it would be? <laughs>
Hey, man, uh, I got to go back to the Phil Hill talk. Okay. So I got I don't know if this is an announcement to anybody, but the Queers are playing a, a record release show or a, a stream, as you might say, um, on December 19th, Saturday night. Um, you can go to just Google it. I don't, I don't know where to find it. It's like some, some weird website, but, um, yeah. So the queers are going to be playing this record release show. And the big, uh, cool thing is that Phil Hill will be playing guitar with them. I don't know if this is a, it's not a permanent thing. Of course, I don't know if it's going to happen again. I don't know if Phil, I don't know the last time Phil played with them, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see the queers, but it's going to be just a little bit extra special with Phil playing. I think I definitely, I had already, before you just told me about the Phil playing, um, had planned on tuning in because I, I just want to, like, I'm a, I'm a fan. The new record's great. Uh, and I don't know now that I know Phil's there, it's going to be even better because Phil's vocals with Joe and the pop songs from the new record could really, I think, be a hit live. So it'll be good to see. Might be cute and full of charm, but she won't shut her mouth. It's been going on so long that I can't leave her now. She needs a handful and always puts me down. I can't tell you why I stick around. But her kiss is always on my list. Since the last time you were on the show, you have released the split 10-inch with Lucy, uh, Lucy Ellis, a.k.a. Lucy Spazzy. And I just want to congratulate you because it's really fucking good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Actually, as you just said that, um, my buddy Zach, who plays drums on the record and co-wrote um, the song Swim with Lucy and I, just walked out here to crack open a beer on the porch. Because we were 
previously just working on tunes down in the basement. So that's awesome. And uh, I'm really happy you like it. And it's cool. I think we were definitely like, oh, I don't know what people think about this, but what else are you going to do during these COVID times other than make some music? So uh, I had a blast doing it. I know Zach did. And I know Lucy loved it as well. So, And then, of course, we're all really proud to be a part of the Stardom family. And that Stefan put that out is an amazing thing so so be honest with me um when you heard that you were going to be uh working with lucy in any capacity was how exciting was that because i'm assuming you're a big spazzy's fan of course uh, yeah i'm a big spazzy's fan so it just happened because well uh so i officially like met lucy when we played over in europe we played a boat uh, so it was Lucy and the Rats and me and the Yum Yums. And then so uh, Lucy and I like all hung out with like with the Yum Yums. We were just all hanging out that day. And then I was like, oh, cool. Lucy likes to have beers, too. I really like to have beers. And then we started like <laughs> Facebooking each other. And like she was at some party down the street and we were at some party somewhere else. So we didn't get to reconnect then. And there was actually some random show that she was got asked to play and then I think they didn't want to because they were drinking at a bar and she's like do you guys want to go play this instead and we had talked about her for a second and then we didn't do it either so I don't know whatever happened to that show so then later I was just at home and COVID happened and we weren't doing anything and I was like oh yeah I should reach back out to Lucy because I'd been wanting to do this John Prine song so I just reached out to Lucy and I was like hey uh been a you know been a hot minute since we hung out but um i want to do this song would you want to sing she's like oh hell yeah send me the tracks and then that's how it happened <laughs> but yeah i i didn't know what she was gonna say when i sent the message uh i was like she probably won't even respond or like in <laughs> three months be like oh shit sorry i missed this but yeah no she like wrote back probably within like 20 minutes so then it was like within like Two days later, I think Zach came over and we tracked the music and sent it over to Lucy. Yeah, I was. Uh, I heard about it a little bit before it came out, you know, and I was really excited. And um, I think it's great. You know, it's it's definitely out of the bubble a little bit, but like I I you know I could listen to you and her sing together all day, man. Oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I wish we could all be together and actually just sing all day all the time. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, you are here tonight because the last time you were on, it was really fun, and you are um, you're a fun guy to have on. So, I invited you back because I wanted you to hang out with me and Kepi tonight. Kep, wait, Kepi? The Kepi. So, I was thinking about that. Not many guys, not many people in general get the one name treatment. You know, Prince, Cher, Madonna. You know, there's a few. There's not too many. You know, Bono. Does Bono want the bitty? And <laughs> In Bondo. punk rock, there's not that many, you know? It's hard to because of, uh, you got to have a cool name, you know? And Kepi is a cool name. I think Kepi definitely did a good job picking his name. I'm also a little um, not put off because I'm very excited. I, I wish I had known that we were going to be talking to Kepi because now I'm just nervous. I've never met Kepi other than maybe a hey at a show or something like that, but I've never talked to him. And I actually messaged him. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show, but I've, I messaged him like two years ago, and uh, apparently he never got the message, which is fine. I mean, I believe that. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've I've wanted to have him on for a long time, and so I'm a little nervous too. Okay, so we're both going into the same boat. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I know Kepi, but... 
uh, you know, when you're around a person of that caliber of rock stardom and legend, legend of fun, <laughs> it gets a little weird when like, I mean, I'm always down for fun and I'm having fun. I'm going to crack a beer right now. But what kind of beer are you drinking? Miller Lite? Coors Light. Coors Light. But there is actually a case of Miller Lite over here that Zach has. So <laughs> I could have one of those. But either of these. Even if I combine them, I don't think it's quite at the level of fun that Kepi just naturally brings without any of the beers. So, Before we get into that, Mom's Basement is doing a special Christmas party December 18th. It's a Friday night, and it's just like a Christmas party for people. I talked about it last week, but Kepi is the, uh, the I guess, the, the, the main event, of course. Well, if Kepi, I would assume he would be. I always feel lucky because I get to be involved with this shit, sort of, you know? I'm I'm involved a little bit, so... You pull the strings and make everything happen or not happen? I feel like I feel like the strings are pulled on me some days. I don't feel like I get to pull any strings, <laughs> honestly. I get these opportunities, like talking to Kepi. Talking to you, I mean... I look at you as, as this, uh, I don't want to say a mini legend, but you're just not as famous as Kepi or Ben or Joe, but I don't see why uh, your songwriting and your songs aren't as good as a lot of that stuff. Oh, thanks. That dude. makes sense? <laughs> That's but I that. think, like, I'm weird about that stuff. Like, I think, you know, Marie Nicotine, I think he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. Most people probably don't think that because, you know, he didn't sell as many records or whatever, but still, just a great guy, great songwriter, and I think the same of you. And I definitely think that of Kepi. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, not agree about myself. I'm not that self-centered. Um, but uh, the other names you threw <laughs> around, I 100% agree on. Um, Marina Nicotina <laughs> is fucking awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, I met him like the guts the first time. Uh, no, the second time the guts toured Europe, we did it with the Apers, uh, and he was still in the band. So it was super fun. Ah, you saw them with him, huh? That's really cool. I did. Yeah, I've played with them with him in the band. So that was awesome. When the Apers played here back in forever ago, uh, he was not on tour with them here. So Right. They had, was it Calvin? I think it was Calvin, yeah. Yeah. Calvin Calvin Centerfold, I think, was his punk rock name. Calvin's That's a awesome. cool name. Actually, when I was just over in Europe um, and I played on that boat with the Yum Yums and Lucy and the Rats, Calvin came down. I haven't, and I hadn't seen Calvin since um, I, God knows when. Actually, no, the second time the Guts played in Europe, Calvin was playing guitar. So it might have been the first time we went there. We played with the Abers and Marina Nicotino was still in the band. Um, either way, whatever. But yeah, Calvin's awesome, too. I'm lucky that I get to to do this. I get to talk to uh, some of my musical heroes and um, most of my musical heroes so far. So I've been really lucky. And tonight I get one more, and that is Kepi. Should we do it? Let's do it. Uh, are you going to call him in? You have his phone number? I'm going to add him in right now. Whoa. But before that, we get to hear you sing a little jingle. Here we go. Oh, man. Here we go. Go! Coming up next, we got a guest. We got a guest. Coming up next. Coming up next. We got a guest. We got a guest. Coming up next. Kepi, you eluded the dummy room for uh for like 130 episodes, but I finally got you here. So what's up, dude? How you doing? Let me let me. I'm doing fine. Let me tell you uh, how 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 it works in Kepi Land. First of all, I'm a little bit crazy, 
Second of all, I miss emails. I just found your email from like two years ago and I was like, oh, the dummy room invited me. <laughs> so I got the invitation to the Prince's Ball. I didn't know. Um, so here I am. But on a sadder note, one time I got uh, an invitation from Shonen Knife's management to do a U.S. tour. And I didn't see the email till after the tour was over. So, uh, <laughs> Shit. ouch. Yeah. Uh, I do have a booking agent now so I can be handled. Uh, but yeah, m missing a Shonen Knife tour is one of the greatest sadnesses of my life. I've played with them a half a dozen times and I love them, but to miss a tour offer, and I've written them back like four times, like, I'm so sorry, I missed that offer. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're over me now. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? How long ago was that? It was probably four or five years. I've actually played with them probably twice since then. Like, they'll give me the Bay Area show, but, you know, it, it's also too, like, they booked their tours like, you know, six, eight, nine months in advance, and I just, I just missed it. And, uh, you know... I, I booked myself for like eight years. Literally, I was my booking agent in the States. I have a lot of European agents, but in, in, in the U.S., it's like, you know, Facebook kept me and asking him to play your show, you know. Were you doing that with the Groovy Ghoulies, too, or just the, the Ghoulies uh, had to have an agent? We had agents, but, you know, I am not your average rock and roller, you know. I just, it doesn't, I, you know, we don't. We, we, we draw people, but we don't pack big clubs and, you know, and it's the same today, but it's like, you know, who cares? Like, you know, you got, uh, you know, a couple dozen happy people, you win. And, you know, and sometimes it's huge. Like, literally, like I did a couple shows, you know, a couple years ago and it was, it was the two big Aquabat shows in like Salt Lake and Denver. Right. So I played on the way I drove the gear out to like Reno, played a solo show to like 20 or 40 people. Drove to Salt Lake, Dog Party flew in and backed me, and we played to like 800 people. We went to Denver, played to like 800 people, Dog Party flew home, and then I drove to like Colorado Springs and played to 20 or 40 people. It's like, it's cool. I, li I, I like the variety. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't, not that I wouldn't want to play pack clubs every night, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to just mix it up. I don't like doing the same thing every night, so uh, I'm, I, I'm happy for my crazy life. The Ghoulies had... Some good shows, lots of good shows. I saw the Ghoulies, I don't know, a handful of times, and every show was packed. But most of them oh. were in uh, Green Bay, so. Oh, yeah, Green Bay was like, uh, honestly, for a couple years, Green Bay was the pop-punk capital of the United States of America. When, one year, the Ghoulies played Green Bay five times. We played Green Bay more than we played Sacramento, our hometown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Green Bay was something special. Yeah. Are you talking about the Concert Cafe? in green bay the the one that uh time bomb tom did all the booking for yep i still played for him we you know went out and played i played uh with the mean jeans you know in the last couple of years we still have the mean jeans show was great you know we still have fun you know it's just like you know trends come and go and all that but you know rock and roll is not going anywhere so hey, I watched uh, I watched the Kepi show today, and um, I gotta say I love watching those. I've seen maybe a dozen of them throughout the the pandemic here, and uh, I really I, I just I love your energy and your joyfulness. It's just it's infectious, and it really uh, it brightens up my Saturdays. And cool. I usually I'm, I'm usually at work watching yeah. them, and it's like I don't want to be at work, but at least I've. I'm distracted by Kepi, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So yeah. you were in like Louisiana this morning, right? I was in, yeah, I was in Lake, Lake Charles, Louisiana, you know, and it's funny because like I have this weird memory. Like I, I remember like I've played a pizza parlor there with Kevin Seconds, you know, in the past. Like, oh, I, I remember this town, you know, like, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's great. And 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 the fun of the Kepi show, you know, it's usually like in my kitchen or something, and then now it's on the road, and and uh, that's that's the magic. You just mix it up and 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 try to you know try to have fun and try to have a good phone signal. <laughs> Yeah, when you like like today, was there people behind the camera? Could you see cars going by or anything like that? Uh, there, there was, there was a. I was right on the river, and there was like a trucking company, and so a couple trucks went by. What's really cool, I posted on Facebook afterwards, but like these barge, I was hoping a barge would go by. Uh, you know, what's that Coen Brothers movie where they they dump the bodies onto the barge when it goes under the you know under the bridge? The uh, Tom Hanks one, uh, Jeff, do you know that? Coen Brothers film. Uh, I don't know. Someone will look it up and tell us. Um, but um, <laughs> after the show, I was lo- I, lo- I loaded out and I, I was going down the road and I saw Pelican. I saw a bald eagle today, like, you know, like just 30 feet over my car. And I, you know, that's the stuff. That's like, you know, that's what you don't see on a tour bus because you're just sleeping in your bunk and somebody's driving you. But, but if you have to haul your own self to the next town, you see a bald eagle and a pelican and that's pretty cool. And, and, you know, and you see people, it's funny. I was doing one, one of these, uh, I did, sometimes I do Sunday afternoons on Instagram and uh, there's a target North of San Francisco on the Oakland Bay. And, and this target, literally the parking lot like opens out into the Oakland Bay. It's gorgeous. And you can have like you can, the best view of the whole Bay area. And I went down there and I was, uh, I was playing and this family came and they, we're having like a picnic right behind my phone. And I basically serenaded this family for like a half an hour. (laughs) So yeah, it's always something funny and different, you know, whatever. It's pretty cool. So I got a question for both of you guys quick. Um, Since we're talking about kind of traveling and stuff, you guys have done your, your fair share of touring. What are some of your favorite uh, roadside attractions? I, if I'm passing through Memphis, I will go to Graceland and just get a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Um, I didn't this time. I tried to go to, Cafe Du Monde last night in in New Orleans and get a beignet and it was closed and I tried to go to a, a favorite restaurant in Austin on Thanksgiving and it was closed and you know that's a good reminder that I'm not on holiday that I'm really you know we, we need to be aware of the pandemic but um, you know always like Roadside America is my jam you know uh, with the Bigfoot Museum yeah. Disneyland you know like wherever oh yesterday I'm driving along and I saw uh boyhood home of hank williams senior so i just i pulled off the freeway at the next exit and went back and i did my song of the day in front of like hank hank williams senior's boyhood home you know so that's rad sometimes you just find new ones pretty cool yeah if you're not on tour and you you have a a, you know it took me 10 miles to go to get to the next exit and go back you know you can't always do that on tour but (laughs) yesterday i did yeah Uh, yeah anywhere man uh, yeah and there's ones i haven't been to that the Wiki Wachi, there's a mermaid one in Florida that I want to go to where there's like live mermaids. Um, I haven't been there yet. That's on my <laughs> radar, you know. But yeah. Hmm. What about you, Jeff? Live mermaids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's these like ladies underwater with like uh, air tubes, you know, and they swim around in a lagoon and uh, and reenact the little mermaid, but they're live people. I mean, for me, it's like, I don't necessarily have, I can't think of just one off the top of my head, but just when you're driving, you see a random like sign, even just for some like, very localized like little museum or then i just like to get into towns too and ask around like where the cool record store are or the cool bar and just find cool little spots like that i also well waffle house is weirdly something i really like stopping at whatever oh yeah 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 me too because we 
we didn't have we just got we just got like Cracker Barrel in California and Dunkin Donuts, but we never had Cracker Barrel, Dunkin Donuts or Waffle House until like the last five years. So it's right. always fun. You know, in, in New Hampshire, it was always the friendly toast for me. Like I literally went there three times in a week. Um, and then before that, the stock pot, you know, you have favorite restaurants, my favorite my favorite breakfast in Minneapolis, you know, that restaurant shut down and you're like totally bummed when one of your restaurants, like the, 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 the friendly toast closed, right? In, in New Hampshire now. There's one uh, in Boston, but. The one in Boston closed. The one in Portsmouth still open. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah, next time you're up here, definitely that. Oh, <laughs> I, good... I have a reason to live. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I find it's like the weird small things. It's not like. I mean, obviously, it's fun seeing giant attractions like Niagara Falls if you're driving through upstate New York, like whatever with that. But it's more just like the small things that I like. Like, I really like stopping at um, in areas where there's like old train stations, especially like um, when they're building out the country for gold mining and trains started kind of going through. I don't know. I just like yeah. that kind of weird little histories. That's cool. Where I was living last up by Bodega Bay, there was there's certain towns that were they were just they were train stations, but only for the lumber logging industry. So, like, there's a town that's, like, one block long, has an amazing diner. But it, it was just to get logs, you know, from the mountains to, like, Willits or whatever. Like, you know, and then there's the skunk train in Willits. There's, like, these little trains. B-Face and Ana came out last year, and, and we hung out in that area. It's great. Yeah. Very cool. You know, like, people used to, like, a job would be, um, they were, I think they called floaters or something. So they'd actually almost surf the logs down the river oh yeah, yeah help not have big logs get stuck because if you got one or two giant trees stuck in like a v formation all the ones behind it are just gonna pile up and then because of the pressure with the weight of the trees in the water they can't move it so people would actually just be on trees like guiding themselves through the water i love stuff like that of that is great and speaking of venues and american roadside attractions have you done the rocks off cruise in new york where you where you play around the uh, brooklyn bridge and the statue of liberty no i keep wanting to go like down i don't know if like i don't know anybody that books it or or if i'm at a level that i would get asked to play it but yeah. i've definitely wanted to go down to it and go to some shows and i've yeah. always either been out of town or busy it's pretty fun yeah i've done it like you know opening for queers opening for chicks digging or whatever there's one like that in boston too i know the queers have done a few yeah times other bands blackers do new york and boston every year yeah well we got to do is uh get eric law to just set one up and then we'll all do it well let's just get two kayaks and we'll do the the, the pop punk uh, acoustic <laughs> we'll do Kepi show in the portsmouth harbor on two kayaks <laughs> Dude, there you go. <laughs> and we'll, we'll just have B-Face holding ropes, and he'll push us out to sea and then bring us back in and stuff. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> B-Face rules. I like those things on the side of the road, the, the big fiberglass creatures you have once in a while. Uh, oh, yeah. Outside of Madison, Wisconsin, there's a big uh, pink elephant wearing sunglasses. Yep, yep, and yep. It, I live about 30 minutes from a from a town that there's a guy that makes that stuff, and he has like a, I would call it a graveyard of all these old things that he would build for water parks. And I know they have some aliens and there's an ET one. And in high school, I went there and, you know, did the whole, got my picture with all of them and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I have a, I have a former uh, coworker that his dad knew the guy and his, his dad had some RV work done and they went there to pick it up. And the guy was telling those guys that he had made for a strip club, um, a big fiberglass vagina 
<laughs> and they okay. shipped it out on a truck and apparently it was covered and at some point around i think he said around milwaukee the the cover had blown off so there was this big rolling vagina down the road apparently it made the news like it was a yeah. big a big deal but yeah i everybody, like those kind of things everybody thought the rolling stones were coming on tour it was 1975 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah build me a giant fiberglass vagina i want to come out of it bro <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, speaking of the water box, I don't know why I'm now doing this English thing, um, but if you guys are in the mood or uh, when you're needing a documentary to watch, there's an awesome one about a water park. It's called Action Park. Oh, I've heard about that. It's yeah, yeah. so good, dude. It's so good. Yeah. And then Hallie Bullet uh, from The Unlovables, her husband is interviewed in it a lot. From being a kid there? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I, I've been to that elephant in Wisconsin, and then you, where are you at, Nate? I'm in La Crosse. Okay. Which is, is there, about two hours north of Madison. There's a there's a giant uh, cow right in, near, not far from Green Bay. Like that was it a radio station. Do you know that one? I don't remember where it is, but I remember a giant cow. Yes. Yeah, Kevin Seconds and I stopped at that giant cow before. It was great. And I guess at one time it had a speaker in it. It would talk to the people that walked up to it or whatever. There's like a a really cool like radio station there too i've seen that one that's cool yeah there's all kinds of weird stuff around we have a like minnesota has that big paul bunyan thing and, yeah you have and, the dells right yeah we're oh. i'm close to the dells yeah and the dells have all kinds of that stuff yeah yeah man man planet had the song about the giant ball of twine nice the world's largest ball of twine <laughs> lacrosse used to have um this old guy had pop bottle house that's what we called it and he basically turned his entire yard into like this weird uh he took pop bottles and just made windmills and all kinds of weird shit and um every band that would come through i used to take them there and it seemed (laughs) like it's on paper it's pretty boring but once you get there the guy i mean people from all over the world have been there and uh he died a few years ago and whatever but there's a documentary on youtube on the guy it's pretty cool oh yeah yeah, there was a guy in, in New Zealand that did that. He was like a Swiss artist, and he, he, he made his house out of, like, adobe and, and colored bottles, and, and so the house would glow, and, <laughs> and, it, and it became, like, an architectural style. That was cool. Yeah. I'm lost and loving it, and I haven't got a plan. Well, I guess I do, and that's just to hold on as long as I can and make it through tomorrow. Try to stay
So, so you're you're from out east, but how how'd you end up in California then? My whole family is Californians, and my dad was in the service in Cape Cod when I was born. So, I'm I'm the weirdo of the family, and I was also <laughs> born on his birthday, so I stole my dad's birthday. I'm a jerk. The end. <laughs> so. Yeah. Let's let's talk about um, the beginning of the Groovy Ghoulies. W- was that your first band? Totally, yeah. Pretty much, I had like uh, you know the band that did the high school talent show, and yep. uh, and then I mean literally one punk rock band after that, you know, doing covers of the Misfits and Johnny Thunders, pretty much, and then and then that was it. Like I just wanted to have a band, and so I made one, and 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 that's why like, the first records. Or just me and my buddy, you know, four track cassette and a drum machine, you know, <laughs> and and I just made a record, and then the, you know it took probably four or five years before I actually had a band. After that, um, you know, we I just put records out, and I I was playing with other bands in between, and then it really came together like in '89 with Appetite for Adrenochrome, and that's when we made a live band that stayed live for like the next 15 or 16 years or whatever. So. And, and one thing that a lot of people don't know that, that my friends know, but that very first, uh, like the, the launching of the band in like 89 for the first album, like Roy McDonald from the Muffs and Red Cross played that very first show. It was like, there was a show at the Zombie Zoo, the place that Tom Petty sings about. And it was like Haunted Garage and Satan's Cheerleaders. And I was like, I have to be on this show. And I, the promoter <laughs> said I could be on it. So like, we just needed a drummer and Roy McDonald filled in and then, after that, we got a drummer and kept going. So that's like kind of like the historic launch of the, you know, of the ghoulies that went from Adrenochrome, born in the basement, blah, blah, blah. He's quite the fill-in drummer. Yeah. It's funny now because <laughs> he just came back, you know, like uh, about a year or two ago, you know, he was living in Northern California and the Muffs and Red Cross and everybody was in L.A. So he was itchy to play. And he did a couple shows with B-Face and I, and it, it's really fun. Roy, Roy is a monster, you know. He's a great dude and a monster drummer, so... It was super fun. What was your first experience with the Groovy Ghoulies? My first experience with the Groovy Ghoulies was in uh, at the Elvis Room in Portsmouth. Um, was it maybe one of the, maybe the Donna's tour? Yeah. Uh, and B, was B Face playing bass on the Donna's tour? Would that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I think so. That one. Um, and then. It was not much longer. My buddy Nate Doyle and I from the Guts uh, drove up to Canada and saw you guys, but it was uh, still B-Face, but I think Panic was playing, too. Panic was on the Donna's show. tour, too. Panic was on the Donna's tour, too. Yeah. So maybe we went to two shows on that tour. But no, actually, so then the first time I saw you, Panic wasn't drumming, though. Um, and it was at the Elvis Room. And then on the Donald's tour, I probably saw you went down and saw you guys in Boston, and then drove up to Canada for it. With the, uh, you guys played downstairs at the Middle East, um, and that's the first time I saw Panic play drums. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- our first tour was with the Queers, and and that wasn't uh, Panic. And then after that, I think it was him. So, th- so I think he did the Don. I think he did the Donna's. And uh, he did a couple. He he was only in the band not even a year, but he did like three or four big tours. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fun to it was fun to hear him uh, uh, on here the other week. Uh, you know, and 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 hear someone else uh, analyzing the Ghoulies. It was cool. Like he, it was really it was really fun to hear that record. Is great. I I'm super love Reanimation Festival, and and he did a great job on it. And we had a lot of fun with Mass and uh, that. 
that, that I have no no complaints about that record. It, it, it's a it's a it's a good one, and it just came out again. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, stardom. I mean, yeah. Why would you have any complaints about any of those records? I mean, I think Fun in the Dark and that are. I mean, those were like for me like moving records. Like you got that, and you're like, oh, this is cool. It was a little more like badass and gritty than some of the other Lookout stuff at the time, and yeah. it still had the same like like fun and humor but um i think a cooler humor than like you have like the queers and it's more like the different type of humor right which i also like but then yours came up and it's like oh whoa okay this is this is really cool like yeah it's it was a nice little mix of fun music that came out around them but yeah fun in the dark i think is probably my favorite of all but that time period, you you were just on fire, man. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that and and fun in the dark is next, and that uh, you know Tom Neely has been doing the artwork for all the reissues, and he's really excited about fun in the dark. So we're gonna try to make it like really nice and everything. So that's really cool. Um, but yeah, you know, those records were fun, and it was a combination of like you know mass, B face is a badass. You know Roach is, Roach was always rock solid. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just a good time. Everything was clicking. Everybody was on fire. And, you know, Master Genie is good at capturing that that rock, you know. So and th- th- it was fun. One thing I, I liked that, you know, that Panic uh, Panic had observed was that, you know, Ghoulies, Ghoulies music has a little rock and roll to it. You know, like I, I was really careful, especially at that time, because uh, a lot of bands were like, you know, fat and honest on. Everybody was like speeding up and it was, everything was getting faster and faster, like, you know. And I didn't want that. So sometimes the records, to me, even feel a little bit slow. But I think I was like, intentionally overcompensating to not, you know, not be super fast punk because like everybody else was being super fast punk. Like, let's have some rock and roll, you know? I mean, I think that's that's the key, right? It's like you're also, you're pulling from more classic rock and roll, like on Chuck Berry, Rolling Stones, and you lose the the swagger of the song and the attitude when you start going too fast. Yeah. It's a big I don't think those records are slow at all. I think they're really fun and upbeat. If they were faster, I don't think it would be as fun to dance to. Right. And, and, the, and it's yeah. just the right tempo. And I mean that's the classic thing. Like I mean Jackie's upstairs with a friend having like they're dancing and listening to sixties music right now. Like yeah. and those songs couldn't be any faster or else it loses that that yeah. big band swing that all that music came from. Yeah. Anyways, and that's what you need. And that's what Groovy Ghoulie shows, like, when I went to, where there was a huge difference between you guys and some of the other bands that I think made an impression that I really liked. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, cool. Like, um, this is, like, a modern-day version of the cool 60s records that I stole from my dad. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, you know, if you think, like, you know, evolutionary-wise, yeah, like Chuck Berry, to me, timeless. Rolling Stones, timeless. Ramones, timeless. And then, you know, now it's our turn or whatever. So it's like, it's definitely something that I I try to, like, you know, like the first five Rolling Stones records, to me, are just the same as the first five Ramones records. Like, they're just, like, raw, short, rocking, straight to the point, no messing around, boom, 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 boom. But, you know... And they're gritty and dirty and badass. And I like Even, like yeah. the sweet love songs. There's there's just an attitude and an immediate like in the music that they just they needed to do it and it feels good. Yeah, I have a buddy and he he, he you know all he listens to not all he listens to but he loves 
like the Cramps, Iggy Pop, Motorhead, the Monsters, Reverend Beatman, and all that. And what he says is, I like a little grit in my grease, you know? Yeah. He, doesn't, he, doesn't <laughs> want he, he wants a little salt and sandpaper. And, and I'm kind of like that. Like, you know, it, it, some, some of the 90s punk bands were so smooth, you know, it, it was to me... At the time, it didn't seem like punk rock. I get it now. You're just trying to like make a good song or whatever. But you know, you know, growing up on yeah, like Sex Pistols, Ramones, Cramps, Buzzcocks, everything was a little bit dirty, you know. And it yeah. might have been, you know, maybe a little out of tune or maybe a, you know, that's the magic of it, right? Though yeah. that is where it's real. Like they're really just there, and you're just using like kind of banged up equipment, and you're recording to tape. And if the song is 85% good, you're not going to go back and recut it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to yeah. take all that time. Like, no. cool, throw it on the Young. B side. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Young and the Stones. You know, even like Alice Cooper, like those weird early Alice Cooper records, they're like, oh, um, they were garage, you know? For both of you guys, like, what was, uh, what got you into rock and roll? Like, name a couple bands that really got you really into it. For me, it's like, it's tip of the iceberg. It's like Beatles, Beach Boys. My dad had a box I found in the attic of all these just old, like, 45s. And I started listening to it, and I was like, whoa. And there's obviously, like, Chuck Berry, just the very, you know, common <laughs> icing on the cake of rock and roll. Then I had to do my own exploring to get deeper into it. But that's kind of what started my whole, like, I need to play music. I need to be around this. I need to see it. But... <laughs> this just feeling that energy and life in the music and I think it also helped that I first heard it on old records so it was like skipping and cracking <laughs> and even like a Beach Boys song was sounding dirty because the record was an old crappy yeah. record you yeah. know what I mean so yeah, yeah. that glory and some of those records are funny like the Beach Boys and the Beatles like Remember there was like this Beatles compilation called Rock and Roll Music and it was just like yeah, yeah. fairy covers and it was all the rockers. Totally. You get, those, you get those together and that's almost punk rock. It's like two minutes of boom, 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 two minutes of, you know. Yep, that's what it is. My dad was more of a Beatles guy than a Stones guy. He liked the Stones, but I, I got more into the Stones on my own after it there there wasn't very many stone 45s sadly in there but yeah uh, so that's i think why i lean more towards uh the beatles side if i had to choose one but yeah yeah mine was like johnny cash you know it was funny like a boy named sue and the wreck of the old 97 yeah and then, like, elvis and then the stones and the beatles about the same time the beatles and the stones but i ended up being a stones fan at, all through you know because they were like more punk or whatever Right. And then Ramones, Elvis Costello, Devo, those were like three big, like Elvis Costello and Devo and the Ramones were like big, you know, high energy, short rock, melodic, you know. Mentioned yeah. not to interrupt, but yeah, you just made me think of it like I was a little bit older, but uh, I got a cassette of My Aim is True and I was just like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. Oh my God, dude. And like it didn't leave <laughs> the tape player for probably like two months. I just, yeah just listening being like whoa like I, I don't i just started to try and learn how to play guitar and i'm like i don't even understand what is what is happening here like yeah. this yeah. is so energetic and crazy in these sounds and now you listen back to it and you're like oh i get what they're doing it's still absolutely amazing and remarkable yeah. but it's just funny like going back into my little kid mind hearing that for the first time and being like yeah. whoa this first... is insane <laughs> 
the first police album, the first Joe Jackson. Totally. Joe Jackson, you know, is this punk rock Tom Petty? Like everybody thought Tom Petty was punk. And that first Tom Petty, you know, he's got a leather jacket, you know, he's like all cool, you know. <laughs> uh I have a funny story. You guys know the band The Real Kids? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I know so... a buddy of mine played bass for them for a while. Oh, I think I might have heard about that buddy. B-Face rules. <laughs> <laughs> um but a different buddy, not not that buddy. I did see them with with your buddy B-Face uh, on bass, and it was awesome. But then later, um, and then a long time ago, B-Face actually brought John Felice, the singer, to a gut show in Boston. So I got to meet John, and then we kind of kept in, like, loose, loose touch. So uh, this is probably, like, I don't know, five or six years ago now. Uh, my buddy Brad from this band, The Connection, I was in, we went down to John Felice's house and we were just kind of like writing songs and hanging out. And um, uh, we were kind of stuck on a part and I like came up with this thing and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm like hearing like a could be like a Tom Petty like thing. And John put his guitar down and he goes, don't say that name in my house. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, that redneck hick from Florida. You know what the real kids would have been if that hick hadn't hit the airwaves? <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoa. I was like, yeah, uh, okay, John. I'm like, yeah, sure. Because John's kind of crazy anyways. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I don't really see the comparison. But I guess what he was trying to allude to is the real kids were on an upward swing. And then Tom Petty's first record came out. And even college radios and everything no longer cared about the yeah. the real kids were slipping down in the charts, and that yeah. redneck hick from Florida took off. Yeah. Do you know that story about like the Alley Cats in L.A. and 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 the they were like they were like a rockabilly band in L.A. and they were really huge, and they they kept they kept not getting a record deal. They were like I don't know if they were just waiting for the perfect deal. They were like the biggest thing in L.A. They were bringing rockabilly back. And then the Stray Cats came, and then boom. And then the Alley Cats were done, like overnight. Like, you can't mess around. You can't just keep waiting, you know. And, and life is so, un you know, it's funny when, you know, we, as Muffs fans, right? And, like, there's, there's, like, the Muffs and Green Day. There's, like, Blonder and Blonder and Dookie. It's the same record label, the same producer and everything. And then one goes kaboom, and then one doesn't. And, like... <laughs> You know, it's you can't judge record sales. I mean, Both. these records are great, but you know, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Muffs is ten million records less worthy than Dookie or whatever. You know what I mean? But it's just the way things happen or whatever. Totally, yeah. It's weird to think, but yeah, because it's the same producer, same label, the same I consider um, caliber of songwriting. Like I'm a huge fan of both bands. Yeah, the Smugglers like, and the Hives. The Smugglers and the Hives, like mm -hmm. two amazing bands and the Hives Kablooey. And I think, you know, to me, it just seems like Epitaph's marketing department worked a little harder than the Gout's marketing department. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, what, what do you do? You know, but but man, like, you know, talk about, you know, the Smugglers are one of the greatest live bands of all time. Yes, 
I saw them at the Elvis Room two years ago. They had been drinking at the stock pot, probably, <laughs> probably with B Face and Joe and stuff. Like, <laughs> and then so uh, then they played, but the bass player. Um, I never, I don't really, I don't know them personally, so I don't know them, but uh, whoever was playing bass on the tour, uh, they were all like in their boots and everything, and he was hammered, and like towards the end of the set, he just started <laughs> kicking the drums, and he knocked the kick drum over to the side, and they somehow made it through one last song, and then they were done. <laughs> that was, that's my smuggler's memory. <laughs> I never, I never met the smugglers. I saw him live a few times. But uh, Grant recently sent me uh, one of his books. Oh, yeah. And um, I've been reading it little by little as I have time, which I don't have time. But <laughs> I've been skipping through it. So just kind of like, uh, I just I just never have time to just sit for like more than five or ten yeah. minutes. So <laughs> the stories aren't going anywhere. Nope. So <laughs> you guys you guys kind of got into what got you into rock and roll. But I want to know from Kepi, like, I mean, me and Jeff are l- a few years younger than you, I think. So um, I got into punk rock in the mid-90s, and it was because of the Lookout era pop punk, Screeching Weasel and the Queers, and certainly uh, Mr. T and, and you, which Groovy Ghoulies weren't far behind. And how do you feel about being part of that? Honored and happy. You know, I mean, it's funny, like, that that time, you know, the cool, like, the cool thing is, you know, like, first of all, I, I tend not to be nostalgic, Hi, <laughs> um, but but that was a great 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 time. It was like it was the queers and the smugglers and Pansy Division and the High Fives. They were all telling Lookout, you know, you gotta send the ghoulies, you gotta send the ghoulies, and we did. And that, and those you know those were the time you'd play a show and it'd be the queers and the smugglers. The next week it would be the High Fives and MTX. The next week it would be smugglers and Winona Riders or whatever, like yeah. or, or uh, Squirt Gun, you know, like. It was a family. It felt like a family. Everybody was there for each other. Everybody, you know, our first tour is like, you know, we our first tour was the, our first tour was the Queers. Our next tour was uh, uh, the Muffs and Chicks Dig It. Our next tour was MTX. Our next tour was MTX. You know, our next tour was the Donnas. You know, so it, it was like, and, and and every label I've been on ever since, I'm like, you know, get five bands, and then these two go out, and then these two go out, and then these two go out. You know, it's like, but nobody ever did it, and you know. There was one good tour on Asian Man that was like, you know, AJJ and Bomb the Music Industry and Lemuria. And like, I'm still friends with all those guys, you know. So I had another round with Asian Man and, you know, now it's Stardom and all the European bands and all that. But but that Lookout era was magic. It was great. And, you know, the shows, you know, Cub. Sometimes it's a little sad that bands like Cub and the High Fives and the Smugglers, you know, this... What do you what do you do? Like life, you know, life is crazy, and and rock and roll comes and goes, or whatever. But it was great. I, I have nothing but great memories of that whole era. Yeah. So you just said you had a hard like they had to convince Lookout to sign the Ghoulies. Yeah. What, so how far away did you live from? Um, we lived, we from lived Berkeley. In Sacra- we lived in Sacramento, so about a hundred miles, eighty miles from Berkeley. Um, it seems like you guys would be like you would have been like a shoe in with Lookout. Yeah, you know, but but I think I think because it was just like two years after Green Day, so probably like a million bands were trying to be on Lookout. So it wasn't like yeah, yeah. I I think it was more like not that we couldn't have fit in, but like but like what bands did they choose? Because at that point, literally, you know, there was a they were getting probably ten to a hundred demos a day, literally, like you know, yeah. 
so it it was that and you know and and uh yeah and and they were busy i mean like you know you think about green day you know right before we started touring full-time you know i I was working at a record distributor i could see because of green day i could see screeching weasel selling 60 80 90 records you know and 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 you know and everybody like epitaph like you know my friends in voodoo glow skulls you know three hundred thousand records you know like everybody was selling (laughs) it was just crazy we were right behind that we didn't sell those numbers um you know but 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 we still you know, paid the rent and had fun. And that's still where I am today. <laughs> but so all, cool. Yeah. And you deserve it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So the reissues, I know why bands, you know, like the queers, they re-record because they can't get the rights to the records back or, or why ever they do it. Um, you are doing, like, something weird where you're re-recording with, of course, you did the accelerators and the one with the copyrights. Yeah. But you're also re-releasing those records. So I'm curious, how did those how did those um, re-records come about? I I honestly I honestly can't tell you. Like I like it's funny. Like like so everybody asks why are we putting new artwork on the Groovy Ghoulies? And the Groovy Ghoulies records were on you know Lookout, Stardom, Springman, you know, and uh, like three or four labels, and just the covers were on, you know, floppy disks or zip drives or whatever. So like everything was just lost <laughs> and gone. So we, we, when we reissued, when I decided to reissue the Ghoulies catalog, Tom Neely is great. And like, let's conceive of an uh, image for all the re-releases so that they tell a story, they link together. Cause the, the Ghoulies had so many lineups and all this stuff, you know? So the continuity of the reissues makes total sense. And, and, and is underway. It's taking longer than we thought, but it's but every record is just turning out beautiful and great. So we're happy about that. I think the original artwork is cool, and the re the new artwork is really cool. So I think it's awesome because you're getting cool. you're getting a, a almost you know not the same record, but you're essentially getting the same record with really cool packaging. New packaging. yeah, and you get you get a little comic story that kind of you know yeah. ha- ha- a kind of fabricated history of the band, and also you know if you look every record. Tom Neely is really respectful and he, there's all these like hints to the original album. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. a hearse on, the, on adrenochrome. There's the baby carriage and the toy shelf on born in the basement. There's the, uh, the flying saucer, you know, the, the car crashing on the cover of world contact day. So you, you get a, a tip of the hat to the original. So um, it's kind of fun. And, and, and just all that artwork is just missing, you know, and, and, and we could scan the old records, but you know, when you got like, you know, the Beatles greatest hits from like, you know, Taiwan or whatever, you know, it's like a third generation scan and you can tell it that's like shit. And, you know, I just, I just was like, let's make them fresh. Let's read. That was that. I definitely don't want anyone to think that we don't love, you know, S. Britt, The Poison Pen, Alex Mock, all those records, the, the covers are like legendary and, and yeah. immortal. But, but also too, like, it's a new generation. Like when you buy books or Disney movies, they put a new cover on it. You know, it's still got the same product. <laughs> and, and it's still, you know, hopefully the songs are still good, you know, and I know people, you know, sometimes freak out, but, you know, to me, like, I, I'm kind of like, well, you've had 20 or 30, you know, 20 years to collect these records. If you haven't collected them by now, you can get the new, the new one for 15 or 20 bucks and you don't, you know, and you don't have to pay a hundred bucks. Like my goal with the Ghoulie reissues is to not have you have to pay a hundred bucks for it on Discogs. I just want you to get it, but I want to give you a nice thing. I, yeah. everything, everything I make is something that I would buy 
is something that, you know, I, I think like a fan, I am a fan of Groovy Ghoulies and I want it to be good and master or genies remastering for us. And that's beautiful. So it's, it's not just, a, you know, it's, it's made with love. Um, I don't know how I started re-recording <laughs> like with the accelerators, but all I know is that it's good and, mm -hmm. and, and they're my friends. And then when we did it with the copyrights, I mean, like literally the copyrights, might be my favorite pop funk band. I mean, copyrights, chicks dig it. Like they're my friends, but they are also like huge inspirations and original artists with a vision. And to do a record with the copyrights just made me happy, you know. <laughs> and 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 like my thing is like you don't have to buy it. You can still just buy the Groovy Gooly one. I'm fine with that, you know. But I get to have fun with my friends. So it's just for me, it's just like you know a bonus gift, and you can you can buy it or not. You, now you can put it on Spotify for free if you don't want you know if you think I'm <laughs> if you think I'm trying to just repackage for the hundredth time. I'm not. Everything is done with love and as a work of art. But man, that Accelerators record just shreds, and then and the same with the copyrights. But I love the Ghoulie versions too. So I, I would hope that we do more of those. You know, I've talked to Mean Jeans. It would that would be fun. You know. Nice, um, you know, but but it has to work out where everybody's in the right place at the right time, and it just worked out with the copyrights, and it worked out with accelerators, and I think maybe the Sons of Buddha had recorded a, a World Contact Day that's just sitting there waiting, <laughs> waiting for me to put vocals on it. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that that's kind of the story. I I can't I can't recall why we did that record with the accelerators other than for fun but uh i think I it's great if i remember I'll, yeah it sounds amazing and they did fresh versions you know they just tear up like lonely planet boy laugh at me um <laughs> and songs that are like double speed like she gets all the girls or um uh brain scrambling device like yeah like he the the hi hat is like doubled. The hi hat is like you know chicks dig it speed or whatever. It's like da, 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 da. like I drummed on that record. <laughs> I drummed it like halftime, like bump chick, bump chick, bump chick, bump chick, and they're like da, 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 you know. So it's like they made it their own, and it's really fun. <laughs> got to be good it's got to do it's got to have 
it's got to offer something different. And definitely the copyrights and accelerators put their own spin on it. You know, the copyrights chop the songs in half. Like, it's like, where did that song go? <laughs> but it rules. It's, it's the copyrights. Yeah. I love those records. I don't, I don't want to say they're better or worse. They're just a little bit, they add a little bit of a boost to them, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and for me as a songwriter, I'm honored because like we toured last year, we toured, we did 10 shows in Europe with the copyrights. We just played Reanimation Festival all the way through every night for 10 nights. That's all we did, maybe three or four, you know, The Beast with Five Hands or something. Um, to me, it's like, oh, these songs are still good 20 years later. That makes me happy. Like, it makes me think that, like, you know, I wasn't just, like, farting out songs when I wrote them. <laughs> so that, that, that part, I, I'm, I'm glad that, that those bands want to do them. You know, that, that makes me happy, yeah. So I got a question for both of you guys, because you guys both uh, branched out from punk rock a little bit. The the stuff that wasn't so so much punk rock that you guys did, were you guys um, planning on doing that kind of stuff for a long time? Were you a little bit more apprehensive about it, a little nervous about, uh, you know, people thinking it's it's too far out there? Like, I don't think Joe Queer is going to get away with doing a, a Joe Queer Goes Country. I don't think that's going to yeah. fly. I think yeah. it works for you because I think it's very genuine from you. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, intention is everything. And what's funny, too, like, speaking of Kepi Goes Country, that was almost like career suicide. That record is not country. It's, it's basically like an acoustic greatest hit. And that whole record is just named after one of my favorite records of all time, which is Jonathan Goes Country, which is a Jonathan Richmond record. And I just called it that as a joke. But then the next tour I did was with, like, Andrew Jackson Jihad, and all their fans were like, well, I don't really like country music. And, you know, but it's like, <laughs> I... I have to live with every decision I make and I think it's funny. And if nobody buys it, I'm still happy. I love that record so much. Um, when I made, when the Ghoulies split up, the first thing I did was I put out an acoustic record and an electric record on the exact same day so that no one would accuse me of like, Oh now, Oh look, now he's going Americana or whatever. You know, like I remember like, <laughs> people saying like, Oh God, here's another punk rocker going acoustic. But Kevin seconds and I, we had been doing that already for like six or seven years. You know, like I had acoustic, you know, yes, depression. We did the haints with the groovy ghoulies. We did two, two Americana records called the haints. So we were already doing that. I'm a fan of like, Johnny Thunders and Neil Young and they play acoustic and they play electric and they shred at both of them. Like, so I, yeah, like, you know, a, a really strict punk rocker, you know, but what is punk rock is rebellion. So if you make an acoustic record, isn't that punk? I don't know. You know, <laughs> this is ridiculous, but the first record I ever bought as a kid on my own was the monster match, which seems utterly ridiculous and fake. But it's true. But then it was like Johnny Cash and Elvis. And, 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 you know, and those guys were punks. They were punks. Muddy Waters was a punk. Chuck Berry was a punk. You know, like Little Richard, a gay black man, was the ultimate punk, you know, in the 50s in the South. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what, you know, to me, is the song good? You know, I don't care if it's power pop or punk rock or hardcore or whatever. It, I just, I'm a fan of a good song. And the Ramones just happened to write like 200 great songs. And that's why everybody loves the Ramones. Like, you know, other people have written that many great songs too, but you know, they just, they just did it. They, you know, that's our, our Beatles to many people like, you know, so 
but I, you know, I think Bob Dylan is, you know, you know, it's, we're talking about like music that you discover when you're growing up. Like I pretty much discovered all my own music. My family w- was not rockers or anything. I just remember hearing like that Bob Dylan positively fourth street song. And, and, you know, he, he says like, you know, I wish that for one time you could stand inside my shoes and just for that one moment, I could be you. I wish I could, you could stand inside my shoes. You'd know what a drag it is to be you, you know? <laughs> That's punk. And I, I heard that and I was like, wow, what, what it was, you know, what's he saying to that guy? He just cut that guy in half, you know? And, and so that's punk to me, you know? And so I, I always listen to Bob Dylan all through my punk phase or whatever you want. You know, I'm still in my punk phase. I don't know. Jeff, what, what's, what's your story? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just started getting excited because, like, um, I'm a huge Dylan fan. I've seen him probably uh, 18 times or something like that now. Like, um, so, yeah, I mean, I've always been I've never really been concerned about what like what is or isn't punk. I like punk music, but I like uh, all kinds of music. and I don't really care. Like the same thing. A good song is a good song. I don't care who's performing it or who wrote it uh, and if it moves you it moves you but the same thing just about like oh my god dude i just like remember getting in so many arguments with kids like when i when i was still a kid too like going to like basement shows and just being involved in punk and playing in punk and like but i'm like oh yeah dude like this dylan record and checking out dylan and people are like what what are you some kind of hippie and i'm like I guess if because I love Dylan, I'm a hippie. Sure, cool. Like, and I I dated hippie girls and stuff. Like, I don't care. Like, like Dylan's awesome. <laughs> like, there's and like to your point, like it's just it's badass, right? Like the lyrical content, like that lyric you said, also struck struck me in the same way too. It just cuts people down, and he has songs that don't even have choruses, but are more poppy than like a a, a top. 10 like Taylor Swift hit. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like when you boil it down and like I don't know with so many bands it's like what any of the songs you could a good song you should be able to just grab an acoustic guitar and play and sing it yeah and that's the kind of song that's going to resonate whether you're playing it in a punk style or ska style or, or whatever kind right when you boil it down uh, what you have left is a set of lyrics or melody and chords and the chords could be played on any kind of instrument and the the melody can also be played on any kind of instrument too right it's like is it catchy and then if there's going to be lyrics over it is what are they saying right and how does it move so yeah i mean i've never really been concerned as to like (laughs) label any music i'm involved in or that i listen to or what kind of shows i go to like I don't know, like, I was, like, I've seen, I've been to fish shows, like, it's just fun sometimes, like, I don't know, I do all kinds of crazy stuff, I don't care. That band Cake, that band Cake had us open for them a couple times. Jackie and I were just listening to Cake yesterday, it's so funny, they're great. And you know what, they, the singer John, like, one of his things, we're talking about the, the rock and roll and the ghoulies, but one of the things when Cake is mixing a record or whatever, his thing is, like, I want people to be able to dance to it. And like yeah. almost every one of their songs and they, you know, they mastered to like ACDC back in black and, you know, like they, they're craftsmen and they write good songs. And, yeah. you know, and we, we got to open for so many ska bands because they like, they like the Ghoulies attitude. So we played with like Dancehall Crashers and we played with uh, 
slow gherkin. We play with like fishbone and big D in the kids table. You know, so you get you get uh, school. You know, because the class had reggae and you know and, and and like you know now I'm friends with the slackers and the bouncing souls and all these like you know. It's all just good songs, man. And the, the slackers are funny because they always like slip all these like Dylan lines into their songs. They like sneak Dylan lyrics, a tip of the hat to Bob Dylan in their songs. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really, it just, I don't care like what a record is. If you put it on and there's a song that just hits you, then it hits you, right? And like why, it, and that is punk to not care what genre or label or anything. I think that's the one thing like I, that, in a way is uh, made me like get annoyed with punk is these weird walls that are built up around punk. As far as music, I get like the ethics behind it and the way you want to live and your political stance. That's cool. That's a whole different argument about punk, but people that are just like, Oh, you're not punk. If you listen to this, like that's just weird to me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, like music is music's just music. It's supposed to be yeah. oh. an enlightening um, thing in people's lives. Yeah, so that's whatever funny. somebody's doing that's enlightening themselves, making them feel happy, making them feel good, making them bring up emotions that they need to bring up or feel something when they feel something. Go for it, dude. Like, why would anybody judge somebody by their record collection? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. In a way, unless, unless it's filled with like screwdriver records or something, <laughs> then we might have to have a different conversation here. But otherwise, I think we can be friends. You know who gives me this funny, cool uh, Ramon kind of feeling is Andrew WK because it's always like the party, 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 and the pump, pump, pump. But you know, his last record it has like you know, music is worth living for. You know, and it's a lot like the Ramones, like something to believe right. in or something. You know, like never again. Like the last. The last Andrew WK record was like this, like super, like posy. You know, it comes out the gate just like pounding, and like he, he, he. I've seen him a couple times live in the last couple of years, and he really fills that gap that the Ramones used to do. Because, because like the, the thing, like the, there's so much to the Ramones that nobody gets. Like the, 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 the you know, the, the bringing, the bringing together of people. Like you know, the Ramones and Devo really were like magnets for weirdos. It wasn't like leather jackets and chuck taylors or whatever like it was like art art people and gay people and bikers and artists and filmmakers like you know devo and the ramones were just like that's where you went to be you and and uh you know and i i don't know like I, burger records had that for a while with like king tough and no bunny and the other got these like weird new garage bands that were just a bunch of weirdos and stuff you know and um but Andrew W.K. kind of has that where he's like, you know, everybody's welcome in my house or whatever. You know, I like that kind of idea. Like, that's kind of how I like to think. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's how my actual house is. Right. Like <laughs> I know everybody's house should be like, you know, like everyone's welcome. <laughs> like, it's I don't know. It's good. <laughs> Jeff, every time I talk to you, there's a party at your house. Literally every time there's something going on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not a party, especially because of COVID. It's um, it's <laughs> Jack, my my girlfriend Jackie. Well, we own the house, and then um, Zach, who does music with me all the time, and his girlfriend, we're all like best friends and kind of all like work from home, and just the only people we hang out with is kind of us. So, <laughs> and, yeah, but you're if there's dancing going on, it's a party, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we do. Like 
pretty much Kevin every day. party at my house every day, too. <laughs> yeah, we're either at my house or at their house, and we're just, like, playing guitars and listening to records and having some beers and dancing and singing. And we obviously <laughs> always have an open-door policy and have more people over, but, you know, we have to be safe, and it's not <laughs> responsible to <laughs> invite other people right now, but, yeah. <laughs> I took a trip around the ocean Cause like that can make all kinds of records i'm i'm like pretty good at playing with power chords and uh, (laughs) singing jeff stuff (laughs) i can't i could never be in a cover band or do anything else like that so when it's just me it's gonna sound like me (laughs) and use whatever talent (laughs) talent if you want to call it that to the the best of their ability (laughs) but yeah at the end of the day it's really just about like I don't know, having fun. I just, I don't know what I would do without having music be like my hobby that's just engulfed like kind of my life, right? Like, <laughs> and then I get lucky and get to like play with like bigger bands sometimes or do records with other people and stuff. But 
uh, I don't know that I just kind of do my own stuff, I guess, when I'm not doing stuff with other people too, right? Because I wouldn't, I don't know what to do if I'm not doing music stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be like super weird. <laughs> that Lucy Tennis is great. And again, like, you know, God, God bless Stefan Stardom for just like, Letting us have fun with our friends and make rock and roll records, you know, like totally, dude. Yeah, you, I mean, that whole thing. Like, you just want your label to like believe in you or whatever. Eccentric pop's the same. Like eccentric pop, you know, I could, I could, you know, I want to make, you know, I don't know, I want to make a techno record, and he'd be like, okay, just I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, what? Like you're an artist, and your your friends support you. You know, maybe something's gonna flop one day or whatever, but you know, like. Everything I make, like I like, I, I I tell myself, look, if I have a garage full of a thousand of these, I'm still happy. I dug, like I meant well when I did this record. And in the Ghoulies, it's funny you ask like where where are we headed. In the Ghoulies, like pretty much like it was like I only wanted to record what we could reproduce on stage, you know. And like definitely up until like I think you know like Reanimation Festival was the first one, like oh we put a keyboard on there or something, you know. But but now it's like, yeah, I have super talented friends and they can like, they can make the, the sounds that I hear in my head. Like I, on I Bleed Rock and Roll, I heard this piano part on like, I just wanted you to know. And my buddy Rusty came in and he put it on there. It's like, wow, you know? And then like on the last record, uh, Lost and Loving It, I had this keyboard and I heard literally Jesse from the epoxies like, doo, 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 doo. and I just called up Jesse. I'm like, would you put keyboards on this song? And he's like, yep. And it's like, Boop, 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 boop. I'm like, there's my dream. Like my friends help me, you know, make you know the records I love. So you know they're gonna change. I, I don't want to make the same records over and over. I don't. I you know I like if you want World Contact Day, I'll play you any song. Like you watch the Kepi <laughs> show, people are like Punk Part Two, A New England, whatever. Like I, I I don't deny my past, and I'll happily play those songs that already exist. But I don't need to write you know Punk Part Two, Part Two. <laughs> So anything that you sing though is is you though. I mean, it's just your voice. You could sing it goal. fast, slow, whatever that's you fucking sing. It's Kepi. Yeah, thank you. And that is the goal. Like, and that comes from like Neil Young, Jonathan Richman, Johnny Thunders. You know, like Johnny Thunders made that record so alone. It's just like him, like mm-hmm. these weird like one take acoustic versions of his own songs. That was one of my favorite records for years. You know, it's just like there's like a 15 second Bob Dylan cover. You know that that. He, he, it's just great. But, so those are my guys, you know, like, you, you, I don't, I, like, I don't, you want to, you want to rock, but I want, like, you know, I don't want, I want to be the soundtrack of your life or whatever. I want music. I want to have songs <laughs> for whatever mood you're in. Like if I'm, you know, the Rolling Stones, like you want to rock, you want a ballad, you want country, you want blues, like the Rolling Stones give you all of it. And that's kind of, Tom Petty can do that. Tom Petty can rage. Tom Petty can play you the most beautiful song. Nick Cave can be a maniac or he can write a love song. Like that's, you know, I don't try to do that. I enjoy being able to do that. And and that's, yeah. yeah. So I'm working on two new records and and one's coming along and, you know, it'll probably be more rocking than Lost and Loving It. But I, I love Lost and Loving It. Like I love that record so much. And I just, I didn't tour on it. I didn't do anything with it, but but it's there. And I'm hoping, you know, Maybe in 20 years, people will be like, oh, yeah, there's some good songs on there, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't care. I, I'm happy with it, you know. So, well, I mean, you know that there's good songs on there, and there's people that have the record and know there's good songs on there, too, right? It just happens. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> you, funny when... You wouldn't well, have oh, 
shit if you didn't think that there were good songs on there. No, it's just that no. they, they might not get as much love as other records. Like 99 Lives, like literally the Groovy Ghoulies broke up two weeks before 99 Lives came out. So that record never got toured on, you know? <laughs> like, but, you know, but I still, I'll play 99 Lives, the song, acoustic, and people want to hear Frida. Like, you know, I know, I know this, you know, I'm, I know, hopefully, I don't put a song on a record unless it's decent, to me, at least, you know, so. Yeah, I, thanks for noticing, and <laughs> thanks for, you know, it is, like, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I like variety. I think I, I think I have a, you know, a little attention deficit, so I don't want to do the same thing every night. You know, I want to have fun and mix it up, and, and, and the bands I play with, like Dog Party, you know, you can change the speed, Adam Bomb, Jimmy Boom, the people I play with now, they like the craziness. Like, sometimes we don't have a set list. You know, Chicks Diggit never has a set list. It's like, what are we going to play? Okay. Now we're going to play it in this key tonight. Now we're going to, you know, and it, it's fun. It keeps you on your toes. You're never bored. You can take requests. The audience is happy when you play. You know, even if you mess it up, they're happy that you tried, you know. So it's, I like I like that idea, you know, the, the idea of not knowing what you're going to get at, a, at the rock show or at the Kepi show or whatever it is, you know. I wanted to say, too, what I really, uh, a thing I appreciate about you is, like, you're, like, yeah, you're a quote solo artist or it's like oh Kepi's not in the ghoulies now and he's doing a solo record but you it's not a solo record you're still doing stuff with people there's still musical like camaraderie going on bouncing ideas off of each other you're pulling yeah. friends in and like it's still like a community and a group and it's not just you alone in a room like writing Nebraska by yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it would be fine if you wanted to but yeah. it's still it's the same thing and the ghoulies always had like an open door policy of bands anyways yeah. so you're just using your own name but it's when you boil it down it's the same thing yeah no i know it's funny b-face comes and goes you know jazz from mtx has been in the ghoulies twice you know and and and, and it, touring with like accelerators or copyrights is like it's fresh blood. Like you go on tour, like it's brand new, you know, all over again. Like we played Reduno with the copyrights last year and it was just like, kaboom, it's like so fun, you know, and, the, and who's, who's going to be on the next record or on Lost and Loving It, we did that song Ink Pot and that is the entire Prima Donna band from LA. And we, I talked to them for like four years. Like I want to do Ink Pot. I want you guys to do the backing tracks, you know, and we all played Gilman one day and we just, I had the studio ready and they came in and they did the music dog party did the backups i put the vocals on and then we all went off and played gilman street together that night you know so it, like it happens it is it is still yeah friends and fun or, or jesse from the epoxies like making right. my making my new way of dreams come true like he played exactly what i heard in my head and it's like that's rad you know and like that excitement and fun of creating with people like it it's a reason to get together with people it's and like-minded people and you're all like hanging out and you're excited about each other's talents and what everybody brings to the table like yeah. what you do in a band but in a band situation sometimes if you're only locked with playing with just those those people right unless you're a band like Led Zeppelin or the Stones or something that ha is just at this other caliber and level it's fun having new blood around and people that can fulfill new ideas that you that you can't, but you're hearing yeah. in your head. Well, and it's funny too because you know who you know who's like shredding on I Bleed Rock and Roll and um, Lost and Loving It 
is Dan Pottis, and he plays in MU330 and Jeff Rosenstock and with Mike Park. So he's been playing ska music his entire life. And he comes in the studio and I'm like, literally like on I Bleed Rock and Roll, I'm like, I want this to sound like the Scorpions or Ted Nugent, you know? And he's like, <laughs> and he does it. And it's just, and he never gets to shred like that. So like, it's extra exciting, you know? And then there's this song called Utopia on, on, uh, on uh, Lost and Loving It. And I had Eagle Bones from the Aquabats play this like super like shoegazer guitar part, you know? And, and he gets to take out all his pedals and make this big space noise, you know? And, 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 you know, he's played with like Gerard Way and all these like fancy dudes and stuff. So it's like, for him, it's like, it's fun because it's just something new and, and, and everybody's excited. So I like that. Yeah. You, uh, I also, I just wanted to say this book. It's um, kind of different. You had mentioned Jonathan Richmond earlier, and it reminded me of the story that I've wanted to tell you for years that I, I totally had forgotten about until just right now. Um, Cause you're a big fan and I'm a big fan too. So, uh, Earlier, I was saying how, like, I, I kind of, John from The Real Kids. So then I met John Fleece, the singer from The Real Kids, his brother. So <laughs> John and his brother used to live across, or right down the street from Jonathan Richmond, and they babysat him when he was a kid. <laughs> so they still knew him. So Jonathan Richmond was playing in Portsmouth, and John Fleece's brother texted me and was like, hey, what are you doing and I'm like, oh, I'm just like chilling at home. And he's like, cool, come come with me. Let's get dinner with my friend John. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. He's coming to town because it's John. And I'm like, are you are we getting dinner with Jonathan Richmond? And he's like, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. And like, I'm like, Jackie, let's go get dinner with Jonathan Richmond. And she's she was super sick. And she's like, I can't go. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So she stayed home. So then I meet up. Uh, with John Felice's brother and we go down and it's at the club but the upstairs of the club they have closed off and a table set up for Jonathan to eat so it's just Jonathan John Felice's brother and me just at this table and Jonathan <laughs> um, won't talk he won't be four shows so he has a notebook out on the table and he's and he writes hello I'm Jonathan. Nice to meet you. And hands me the notebook, and I have to. And then I'm like, "Oh, it's really nice to meet you too. I'm Jeff. Like I'm friends." And he takes the notebook back, and he would everything. He didn't talk through the whole meal. He just wrote and passed the notebook around for his responses. Was he like saving his voice? Or? Saving his voice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I was just like, "This is like, <laughs> what? A, because if." If I asked a detailed question, it would have taken him so long to like write stuff down that I. Would then you take all the notes just... home. Then you have a, then you, you have a, the start no, of the Jonathan Richmond biography. <laughs> I, I thought about taking the note. I wanted to, but it was he took his notebook with him. <laughs> I had our, right away. I was like, I'm keeping these, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't. Because it was in like a, a binded like notebook thing, but I was just like, oh, what I like weird stories and weird things that happen in your life all through music, right? Just knowing yeah. people because of music and these weird experiences you have. And then you just kind of like, I've totally forgot about that story until I don't know, just right now because <laughs> of my conversation. Yeah. So this is, I like, I like hanging out with people and being social. I don't know. It brings, keeps your mind working and brings up memories and yeah. funness. Yeah. Experiences you had. Do you guys write songs in notebooks? 
I definitely used to. Now I kind of have iPhones that have notepads. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, which, which gets in a weird way as a person that does like to collect stuff and keep stuff for my own records, right? A little concerning where I'm like, I have all my old iPhones or most of them, but I should probably pull the stuff off and back it up onto something. Um, or just get back into actually writing stuff in notebooks. I don't know. <laughs> what about you, Kebby? I mean, you being on the road a lot, I would think it would probably be easier. To, you're driving, right? You pull out your iPhone. That's what I do a lot. Like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of... So at my house, I probably have a couple of these crates, literally like a milk crate, that's like, you know, cassette tapes with lyrics stuffed in them. Like, probably two crates of these songs from, you know, the Lookout era and a stack of notebooks. With, and, and I don't, you know, I'll, I'll fill a note, like three, three or four pages, and, and then I'll get another one on tour, you know. So I have all these, like, partially. And I don't write songs. I write scraps and lines and stuff. And then, so there's definitely three or four boxes of that shit at the house. And then I had this one notebook that was, like, all full of, like, amazing, what I thought were pretty close to complete songs. And I, I was helping a buddy make sound at this park show and somebody stole my backpack and that notebook was in there. So that stuff just disappeared forever. And, and, oh, and, dude. Yeah. That sucks. It's a, it's, it just happens, man. People, people steal and you just, that's life. And um, now, now it's like notes and memos on your phone. But then, you know, you have like 900 memos on your phone. So what... <laughs> What I do now, if I'm writing, like, I, I'll do a, you know, you'll do like two or three takes and you're refining it. And then I use an emoji, like, on my, like, I'm working on a new record now, right? So, like, there's a song about a dog. I'll put, like, blah, blah, and then a pink <laughs> dog emoji. And then, then about a car and a car emoji. And then it's like, when I go to, like, go into the studio to lay down the demo or the first take, I find the, the take with the emoji. And that's the one, that's the go-to. So, that's how <laughs> so I do my years. Emojis are magical. They have a purpose. Yeah, but that's they kind of, are. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I asked because Joe Queer recently was selling. He's selling like pages out of his notebooks uh-huh. of like you know punk rock girls or something handwritten and everything. And I was just wondering if you had all these notebooks kept with a bunch of uh, cool drawings on them and stuff because I can imagine yours would be full of that. I have. I do have like lyric sheets because then when you go in the studio, you want all the words. That, yeah. that you're going to sing. So I'll have like two or three drafts of a song, of certain songs. I'll have drafts. And, and, and like, I, I usually get like a poster board and a Sharpie when I go into the studio. So I can like, you know, to, then I'm like, when it goes on to poster board, you're telling yourself that it's like complete or something. It's a weird like psychological thing. I really, I really do miss like in the gooey, in the gooey classic, like lookout era, you know, like I wrote, I wrote, Travels with my amp all on my acoustic guitar, like at three in the morning. I, I told that on a Kepi show last week, but um, it basically one cassette, one song. And so you could go and then when you have a new version, you just tape over it. And then, you know, that was a really cool style of working for me. And I still have that old cassette player, um, but I, I just, you know, need to, you know, it's okay. To, I always change. I change the way I write. I don't, you know, you, I don't ever want to do the same record. I don't want to do the same thing. So, it's probably good to do different formats and things too, I guess. I like that about both of you guys, how everything's a little different, you know? It's not the Groovy Ghoulies 
over and over and over and over. Yeah. It's, you know, because I'll listen to Fun in the Dark and I'll listen to Bleed Rock and Roll and then I'll watch your live stuff, just you and Acoustic, and I love it all. And with Jeff, it's the same way. I love, like, Let It Go, Jeff, you know that, and I love the new record, and I love the, the split with Lucy. Yeah. And they're all completely different sounding, but it's just your guys' voices... Uh, you know, I love them both, and I just I just obsess over this shit because <laughs> it's not just you two; it's other people. Like, no matter, it's just the voice. If they're no, yeah. singing a song that's a little heavier, a little faster, great. If it's slower, if it's acoustic, I don't care. Yeah, you know what's uh, one thing that's been really fun for me? I've done two records with Vic from the Slackers, and we get along so good. We have so much fun, and my voice is kind of high and nasally, and his is kind of deep and New Yorky. You know. It's, like east coast west coast almost it is and people love it and we have so much fun and it's just like you know we all like the stones and chuck berry and the ramones and all you know and so like we just we'll just bust out a record and and that those ones are super fun like we we did one of those records i think like you and lucy we did one record in a day you know and and sometimes that's a fun way to record so but, yeah. I mean, you guys, you and Vic are so good live, too, man. Like, I've seen you guys a few times when you've, like, been up in Portsmouth. It, it's just incredible. It's just the two of you with the amount of sound that you guys <laughs> create. You're like, wait, how many people? Like, if you're, like, at the bar grabbing a beer and you hear, you're like, oh, cool, there's a full band. And you go over and it's like, wait, what? There's two, two well, dudes up there right now? He's playing <laughs> drums, guitar, harmonica, vocals, and doing yeah. little bass riffs on the top of his guitar. Like he's he's crazy. Like he's he he makes you a better player, and you kind of want those friends too. That like you know can actually like you know he he knows how to read a room. He he takes requests. He's you know Kevin Seconds, KJ from Chicks Dig It. The people I play with, like you know everybody, you can learn something from these people. They're just they they. They care about what they're giving you, you know? It's cool, yeah. Yeah, I like surrounding myself with people where I'm, like, definitely, I want to, like, be the weak link because <laughs> it makes me be better. <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to, like, walk into, the, like, I don't want to be around people that, like, I'm, I'm better at and I have to teach somebody. Like, no, I want someone teaching me, right? I want to struggle to keep up. Yeah. Instead of feeling like I'm pulling people like around. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. I think it's a, a healthy like uh, thing to do in any creative a atmosphere. Right. Because then it's like and if you can't cut it, sometimes you can't cut it. Then, you know, you have to get a little bit better somehow, you know, or. Yeah. Yeah. Your, like chops down different. I don't, I don't know. I like that. Uh, just being around people that are just at a level that you're just like, well, I know I can never be there, but let's enjoy this. And what can I pull <laughs> out of learning? Like, what yeah. new bag of tricks can I get from being around this yeah. person right now? Hey, Kepi, I got a question for you about Panic real quick. Yeah. He's been on the show a couple times, and both times he talks about how he's like a one or two take guy in the studio. I think, I know, it's funny because I, I, I listened to the, to the Reanimation Festival episode, and, and he, you know, it, it's funny that like, he's like, I don't really re remember how we practiced for that. I don't And, you know, it, those days were just literally a blur. Like you'd come home from tour and you'd learn the songs and record and then go out on tour and then the record would come out or, you know, but, um, he, he, he is a monster and he, yeah. he was very efficient. I, you know, he, I, you know, I think we, that record was probably the longest we ever, the Ghoulies spent like nine days on reanimation festival and 
he was probably done in a day or two. And, and, and wow. you know, and then he did like, you know, hand claps and backing vocals. He hung out with us the whole time, I think. But but yeah, he he's a monster. And, you know, L- Lumley, Lumley's the same. You know, Lumley is, it, you know, um, I, I, I heard you <laughs> yeah. like, talking about, you know, panic. And, 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 and it's just like Lumley, we would always almost always, I think, use his kit because it's already at Sonic Iguana. Right. So he would tune it up. And, and get it all set for you and then you could adjust the snare and kick drum to your flavor or whatever you want to sound like you but Lumley would he would always come in and and play like a drum solo for us before we started recording like I my favorite one he played the, that song Sacrifice by Motorhead you know and it's like and you're just like Lumley can do anything you know it was really cool and fun I, I remember all that panic I think yeah he just came in and just boom laid the songs down you know and then I drummed on Fun in the Dark. Amy drummed on, on Travels with My Amp. Scampy, Scampy drummed on Monster Club and Ghost Stories. So there's like five different drummers right there with mass, you know. But everybody, like the Ghoulies always, the albums were conceived, practiced, sequenced. Like, because we didn't have a lot of money and, and we wanted to not waste mass's time. So we, we, we everything pretty much in the Ghoulie era at, at Sonic Iguana, like, side one song one you know here we go boom 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 you know and and so yeah everybody kind of did did their job but yeah panic busted it out and and made a great 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 record so i have a question like on the musical side with that comment you just said like side one busted out boom, 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 boom. did you already have kind of your album sequencing in your mind as when you went in the studio and you were trying to record it in that and then later maybe flip a song or two or yeah. were you actually, did you have the whole album mapped out and recorded it in that order? Pretty much every record was conceived. I know it's funny because like I, every album to me is, is a movie or a roller coaster. Like this mm-hmm. record is taking you on a ride and this is exactly the ride I want you to, to get. So like Tunnel of Love on Reanimation Festival, like Mass was like, that song's a little bit long for an opening song. I'm like, this is the opening song, you know? And then, and, and so I, and, and, and I will let any band member or producer plea their case and I'll listen. And then if I believe in it enough, I stick with it. And that one, I, and that one stuck. And it worked out later because like, like Electric Frankenstein covered it, I think. And, and they said like, we love that song. And then, you know, so it's like, you know, you're almost always, you know, it's funny on Lost in Loving It, like I, so many records just start with like boom 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 so on lost and loving it i intentionally started it with like this mid-tempo kind of stones rocker just to shake things up and then the last song is like white like at the end of that album there's like three great rockers hiding and it's like it's your reward for putting up with all my ballads (laughs) (laughs) but that's cool it's a journey like you literally like the like the Lost and Loving It, you leave, you the anchor song, you launch from the harbor and you go boo, 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 and you end with White Whale. Like you go, to, you know, like it, 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 it is, and it comes with a map, <laughs> you know? I don't think, I don't think people realize the thought that I put into the records, like Travels with My Amp, World Contact Day, you know, the World Contact Day starts with the aliens coming to Earth and then we save the world. And, you know, <laughs> every record yeah. is an adventure, whether you know it or not. Like it, it's made, it's sewn together exactly like a, it's a work of art, like a book or something. Yeah, totally, dude. That's awesome. And I like that you do it that way because 
I know for, for myself, I like to have kind of like a map, but then I find like later I'm like, sometimes I do a bunch of different sessions with different people. So then I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. Then I have this body of songs. I'm kind of trying to remap it out. Right. Like yeah. within the body of like, if I do a, like a session and have four songs, I know the order of those four songs. But then when I have another session that I do with another group of people of four or five songs, then I'm like, wait, how do these four or five interact with these four or five yeah. kind of thing? And like for a lot of bands, like there's people that professionally sequence records, right? I've never yes. like worked with one, but like, I'm just yeah. like, uh, I like, I like how you, how you do that and have it. And kind of song, they'll, tell, they'll tell you, you know, they'll tell you, they'll tell you the order. And like, and, and that was for the ghoulies. And then like, you know, Lost in Loving It, or, or I Lead Rock and Roll took like a month. And then, um, and then Lost in Loving It ended up taking like a year. We were just like, you know, it was like we, we, we recorded at a Jingle Town, the Green Day studio, right? So you'd go in at 10 o'clock at night and you'd have like two hours or something. So you, we were working whenever we could at the scrappy, you know. So that record took like a year. And then, you know, you where, where are we going with this, you know? But it works out. Like my favorite thing on that is like there's one. There's like this waltz and it ends with the piano going like doo 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 bum bum. And then the next song starts with a bass line and it's like dun 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 dun. And it's just like, okay, those two like have to go back, you know. So that record wasn't like thought out as well as like the Ghoulie records, but we were, it was a different style, which is fun. But yeah. Was, but they tell you, the songs will tell you if you listen to them, they'll tell you where they want to be or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, that's cool. So, Kepi, how do you. How did you decide what you were going to do either live or on record, um, whether you're gonna, you were going to play drums or have somebody else or you were going to play bass or have somebody else if you were just going to jump around? Um, every single story is different. Like it, uh, Fun in the Dark was like, you know, all of a sudden, like panic was gone. And so we got to make a record. And who, who better to play the drums than the guy that wrote the songs or whatever? I mean, I'm not going to play like panic but I'm going to get the job done, you know? And I, I did that on I Bleed Rock and Roll too. It was just like, oh, we need a drummer. I, you know, I like my drumming style. It's different. It's like sloppier and, and more rock and roll, but it works for the records. And um, so that, you know, or if B-Face is in town, B-Face isn't in town, or, you know, so it's, it, who's the drummer, <laughs> you know? So that, that kind of thing, yeah. It, often it's, in the Ghoulies, it was necessity. Just, you know, who, what do we need and who's going to do it? Yeah. And then nowadays it's like friends, um, Austin loving it was really funny because Jimmy Boom from the Phenomenons came in and literally played eight eight songs on that record in one day in like a four or five hour session and I'll never forget he was some of the songs he didn't even know and the producer was like literally like ride crash 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 ride crash you know like <laughs> and it, it was like super fun and it was like nothing we'd ever done before or whatever that right now the record I'm working on. Uh, the producer's bringing in uh, a live drummer. I don't even know the guy, but he 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 knows me and loves my music. And so the new record is like, I'll do acoustic guitar and vocals. Then we'll bring in a live drummer. Then the producer will put on guitar or bass and keyboards. And then I'll go back and do uh, guitar and vocals, you know. And it, it's like nothing I've ever done before. And so it, it's going to be different. And, it, and uh, you know, and it's like COVID friendly because, because there's only ever one person in the studio at the same time. And so, yeah, well, <laughs> that's what's coming. <laughs> but yeah, I, a little I, out of necessity, but then. Yeah, a lot of it's just necessity, what, what needs to get done. Yeah. Mike Dirt, 
wanted to play bass on <laughs> I Bleed Rock and Roll. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that'd be so rad. And then it, that was exactly <laughs> when Green Day was doing like Uno Dos Tre. They were recording like 30 albums at the same time. So, you know, that would have been cool. But, you know, the record still turned out fine or whatever. So, you know, whatever. Maybe someday. You were like, yeah, sorry, Mike. I don't really need you, dude. Yeah, you're fired. I got this guy, B-Face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> B-Face rules. Uh, so. Speaking of those dudes, on a side note, um, Billy's solo record of just all the covers, the yeah. No Fun Mondays, super good. They're having fun. You, when, you, yeah. when you have fun, you make good records. And, you know, those guys, they know what they're doing. You know, they, they, they know how to have fun. But, you know, yeah, they, they're cool. They're, everything they do is good. And they're good to the people in the scene and all that. So, yeah, hooray for them. Bravo. I wish we were all hanging out. Jackie and her friend just made um, three homemade pizzas. They made the dough and everything. So we have a pizza party. We'd give you guys all pizza. It's okay. <laughs> so, Kepi, you were you were telling us how this year was supposed to be a big touring year for you. Next year? Yeah. If 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 you can, or, or, can we expect a, a bunch of Kepi shows? You know what I want to see? And I told B-Face this, and I, I bet you maybe Jeff, I've told Jeff this too, but I want to see Kepi... And I want to see B-Face get in a car or a van together and load the back with guitars and artwork and just travel around. And well, you, you know, you know about the art runs. Do you know about that? I d- we uh, no. So I've actually been doing that for like ten years in Europe, and we call it an art run. And I've done one with Dr. Frank and Stefan Stardom, and I've done one with uh, Forrest Pookie and Stefan Stardom, and basically that's what we do. Like a uh, two artists and two guitar players get in a car and we we, we have a one night art show and we play acoustic and uh, and we, you know, and, and and drive, you know, Berlin, Paris, Italy, whatever. And we've done that a bunch and um, B-Face is down for that and, and, and it would be great. And also um, Tom Neely, the guy that's done all the record covers in the Ghoulie reissues, I Bleed Rock and Roll. Uh, you know, hanging out or not hanging out, but buried alive and the Haints and all the stuff. He he wants to do an art run, and his art is amazing. And we could do prints that you know tie into the Ghoulies and can't be solo stuff. And um, so it could happen if we do Europe. Then maybe we can do here. But um, B Face and I were supposed to have an art show in Pennsylvania. We were supposed to play acoustic in like Boston and Rhode Island this year. Like he's down. We did it last year with the copyrights and and, and Dan Vapid. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. B-Face and I opened acoustic for uh, Kepi and the Copyrights and the Cheats and, and that was like the show of the year that was super great so yeah it, it can totally happen and let, let's let's work on it Fest, Fest is already rescheduled you know so that was going to be B-Face and I and Adam Baum and you know he's ready to rock and you know maybe we'll even end up recording some songs when we can be in the studio together you know he, he's down for action and that's great I'm excited so um, are you going to keep doing the Saturday morning Kepi shows? As far as I know, there's no end in sight. I mean, like I've, I've been traveling and getting 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 them done no matter what. And I like that. Yeah. The challenge, right? Like uh, the song of the day and uh, and the, and it, like it, 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 and people like it. And uh, and it, yeah, and, and, and it allows me to talk, you know, like to my buddies in Germany. And 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 and, and then also. For the first time in my life, I'm getting like live interaction with like Brazil and Argentina and Chile and all that stuff, you know. So like yeah. the Ghoulies, like we we get the most airplay in South America, like anywhere in the world, we get the most airplay in South America. And I've never even been down there, and um, so that's always a goal, 
you know, seven seconds yeah. finally made it. The muffs finally made it. Uh, I would hope that it could be in the future, you know, for sure. But, you know. We're- yeah, I, I guess what I meant was, do you see yourself doing the the streams even if when the pandemic's over and you can actually play live shows, you just do it for fun? Because yeah. it is a lot of fun. No, Because guys like me, we can't go and see you, like. Right very often you know no it's great i know and the people yeah like like you said you have kids and all that stuff so like i literally have you know like my punk rock friends like sitting on the couch with their kids watching and i'll play you know one song from the kids records and four groovy googly songs and three kepi solo songs and whatever and that shouldn't end and even if i was touring i could still probably you know it's, it's funny when you're you know 10 years ago you have to play at noon at a festival you're like noon and now i'm up at like <laughs> eight o'clock in the morning chugging coffee and playing songs and it, it makes my friends happy so yeah i'm gonna do it and you know like i was i always dream like oh maybe i could get like a cable tv show or something like that but i don't need it i mean i got a phone and i got friends on the other end so <laughs> there's, there's right. no reason no reason not to do it yeah and it's and fun. they are like to nate's point dude it's it's so fun like uh jackie and i have tuned in so many times like we're just like doing dishes or cleaning the house or just hanging out in the yard or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Kepi's on. Cool. And it's just the soundtrack to whatever we're doing. So, hey, I forgot to bring up one more thing. You are doing a live stream on December 18th for uh, Mom's Basement's uh, Christmas party. I am doing the Mom's Basement Christmas party on December 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, John gave me a list of songs. I got some homework to do. (laughs) Well, I can't wait for that. Cool. And uh, we're doing we're doing like a bunch of his bands and a couple bands that are on my label yeah, yeah. are doing like a not a live thing but a pre-recorded kind of a compilation of these videos should be a fun night. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, say like Captain Heroes and there's like three or four bands already booked on that, right? Like yeah, uh, Capgun Heroes, Zoonoids, um, The Suck, uh-huh. Follow Ups and uh, going places oh cool yeah there's a bunch there's a bunch that i i don't know that i can announce okay i don't know if that's completely confirmed and maybe i just maybe i shouldn't have said anything this I guess. is i don't know this is a tentative lineup all acts are subject to change now you're off the hook there you go yeah cool so i can't wait for that yeah but um still done that so anyways okay Kepi, we won't keep you any longer um absolute uh pleasure to have you on and uh maybe we don't have to wait another 130 episodes yeah no not at all just you know here's the deal if you email me and i miss it just write back like a week later like hey did you get my email and then you know that the way to get me is just to like bug me because i go like 12 different directions and i'm sorry that that email got lost in the oh it's fine in the script but i i, I need a little prompting or you know just tell Beeface, you know hey call Kepi and tell him to answer his stupid email <laughs> <laughs> B-Face rules. But cool, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to finally get to do it. And thanks for special guest Jeff Palmer. It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, good to see you too, man. It's so awesome. Hopefully we'll, you know, see each other in real life sometime We'll see soon. each other at the Stardom 2020 anniversary in 2021. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait. That's going to be so good. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Kepi. No uh, have a good night. Thanks for having Safe me. Safe travels home. Thank you very much. It was great. And, uh, We'll do another one soon. Jeff, great to see you. Say hi to Jackie and the crew. Yeah, Jackie says hi for sure. Bye, buddy. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye, Kepi. Bye. Thank you for having me. This is the famous Dr. Frank of the famous Mr. T Experience, and you're listening to the famous Dummy Room. There we go. Kepi. 
pretty fun, huh, dude? That was so fun. Like, I felt really excited before, and now I'm even more excited. I don't know. His vibe just, you know, rubs off on everybody as just positive attitudes everywhere. Yeah, he's he is always just a happy guy, and it's just like I said, he's just very infectious. But um, I I really wanted to ask him this, and I don't have the balls to ask him, but I wanted to ask if there was ever going to be any kind of a a groovy ghoulies reunion of any sort. I know he he looks forward and not backwards, but you know how cool would that be to get uh I mean Roach and and B Face and Panic together and bang out a show. Yeah, dude. I mean, it would be super cool. But also, if you think about it, even if we don't get the banner behind them with the name The Groovy Ghoulies, at least he did mention that he's doing and planning on doing stuff with B-Face. So that's yes. already one person in there. And then it would be sick if, if Vapid, I mean, not Vapid, sorry, uh, edit. That would be cool, though. It would be sick. <laughs> <laughs> it would be sick if Panic also joined, too, because then you'd at least have two. But he still does that stuff, but yeah, I know totally. It would be awesome. I know it doesn't matter, but it would be fun. <laughs> it would be so fun. I think for all of us that are, you know, as we get older, it's always fun reliving any little bit of our youth that we can. <laughs> so the fact of being like, oh, I just bought tickets for a Groovy Ghoulie show. Sick, we're gonna go. Let's go. Because <laughs> it's like, wait, how old am I now? I was also just thinking, like, outside of the Groovy Ghoulies, Within this month, on my doorstep, I've received a Screeching Weasel, a Queers, and a Billy Joe LP. So it's like all the lookout. <laughs> Man, it's like, how old am I now? <laughs> yeah, what year is it? Yeah, um, how did this all happen? <laughs> as far as the Groovy Ghoulies thing, I mean, that would be exciting. But I would also be excited to see him play with, like, like the Accelerators. I think that would be fucking great. And that's just, that'll never happen, you know, for me. So I didn't have the balls to ask him but i'll have the balls to ask you if there would ever be a guts reunion oh yeah totally dude we every now and then so around the holidays <laughs> we're not doing it this year but um nate and i and rick too we're all very supportive of toys for tots um i don't know if, i think it's a nationwide thing i'm not sure but it's an organization oh, yeah, that yeah. yeah raises money for you know to get toys for kids around the holidays so um, in the previous years, we've always done a show right around Christmas, a local show, uh, and all the money goes to Toys for Tots. I had no idea that you guys have done that. Yeah, we've done it, I think, like two or three times. It's not like we don't like make a big deal about it. We just do it locally just to get our local like friends and families out to to support um, but I mean, we're, we're all still friends. We all still hang out and stuff. So it would be fun to do like a, a quote real show sometimes, sometime somewhere, like for actual people that like the band, if, <laughs> the, if fans wanted to actually show up, but otherwise, yeah, we get me. together and, you know, do it, do it for the kids as the nobodies would say. Fuck the kids, right? Yeah. Fuck the kids. <laughs> I love that. You know that that's awesome. <laughs> I got a funny nobody story if you want one. So, I absolutely want one. Do you know the song um, James Got a Blowjob? Yes. Okay. So I'm just like new to the band, to the nobodies, as a second guitar player for the Generations Triple X tour. I didn't play on the album. They needed a guitar player for the tour for it. They recorded the um, the record and then it came out. 
and then uh, Francis couldn't tour, so they got me as a second guitar player, so I started playing. Then Francis came back, and Randy couldn't tour, so I got to stick around because they needed a guitar player again. And then Francis came back, and Randy left again. So the... <laughs> the two real guitar players kept bouncing around and I just stayed there <laughs> and did, yeah, did uh, so much stuff with them. Um, yeah, I lived at JJ's house for a long time out in Colorado Springs and that was just our home base and we toured everywhere. But anyways, so, uh, the funny story is, so we were, we played at the Euclid Tavern, which was, um, in Ohio, I think. Um, so was J- it Cleveland? maybe right outside of Cleveland on like a little side street or something. I still have a Euclid Tavern t-shirt actually (laughs) somewhere. It's a blue one. I remember I've seen pictures of uh, Phil Hill with a Euclid Tavern t-shirt on as well. Um, Okay. So anyway, so JJ, the singer for the nobodies and Justin, the drummer also sang a bunch of songs and those two are like best friends, but would notoriously get in fights so for some reason, this day at the Euclid Tavern show, we were on tour with Guttermouth. So it's a huge show. There's tons of people there. We're opening for Guttermouth. It's sold out. Those two get in some fight over, I don't know what, something stupid on the way to the show. JJ wanted to get McDonald's. Justin wanted to get Taco Bell. And then JJ convinced <laughs> the driver to go to McDonald's instead. So Justin was pissed. Like, or something like ridiculous. So they wouldn't talk. So then Justin says, I'm not singing tonight. Have fun singing all the songs, JJ. And JJ is like, well, I'm not singing tonight. You have fun playing, singing all the songs. So it, this Randy was the other guitar player at the time. So we're like, okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. So we get up and we just start playing the normal set and neither of them are fucking singing. <laughs> so we get through the first song and nobody sang. So we're like, okay, well, this will stop. So we go into the second song, which is James Got a Blowjob. <laughs> Neither of them sing. So, but Randy and I are both like, well, we're going to do our fucking part. That's what we're paid to do, right? So we both go up to our mics and just go, James Got a Blowjob, like our backing vocals. And for some reason, the monitors are fucking screaming. And both of us are like, what the fuck? So for the, like, that's how the whole thing started. The only vocals that were happening was just James got a blowjob, just the backing <laughs> vocals. And then the whole set continued like that. It was only Randy and I screaming in the mic for our backing vocal parts. And then we walked off stage and that was it. That, everything so the, was fine the next day. <laughs> there was no singing, just just was, you guys doing backups. No lead vocals. For the whole show. Yep. Justin wouldn't <laughs> cave and JJ wouldn't cave. <laughs> So we, so I don't know what gutter mouse crowd thought about it. Um, I think a lot of merch probably got sold, but <laughs> who knows? Wow. That's, that's like, that's like such a, like replacements kind of story, you know? Yeah, totally dude. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It was awesome. Then another time I played at the Euclid Tavern with the nobodies, the bars like closed, right? So everybody gets kicked out, but of course we can stay because JJ's like friends with the bartender or whatever. So we're doing shots and hanging out. The door is locked. So Randy goes up to the door because he, he just, he's drunk and he wants to go home. So he goes to open the door and it's locked. 
So then we're at the bar and we're watching him and he can barely stand. He's like, on, I just, and all of a sudden he takes the van keys out of his pocket and he's sitting there inside the bar trying to put every key on the van keychain into the lock of the door to see if it would fit to open the door to get himself out of the bar. Wow. That's another fun story. <laughs> yeah, there's so many stories about that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, come back again sometime. Cool, dude. Yeah, hit me up anytime. Love the podcast. Love being on here. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks Thanks again for the uh, theme song, the jingles, and uh, just being nice to me. Dude, yeah. You rule. It's, it's not being nice to any one person. It's a whole little community that you kind of like helped rebuild like you know for me too it's cool just listening to the random people you interview and then with your whole like um internet presence too it's like oh i see like random people comment or like stuff and i'm like oh shit i haven't fucking talked to that person in like 20 years that's so cool that they're still even interested in this pop punk (laughs) music thing that's awesome so Yeah. yeah yeah thank you for what you do all right, man. Well, I'll be in touch. All right, and uh, have have a good have a good night, and um, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Bye. All right. See you, Jeff. B-Face rules.